Welcome to this week's episode of Forged in the Word with Trevor Whitman. Man, guys, I am absolutely amped to talk about what we're going to talk about this week. This is something that absolutely completely rocked my world a couple of years ago that I love sharing with people. It's a paradigm shift in the way that I viewed everything. My life, eternity, my relationship with the Lord, my relationship with people. I'm telling you, this truth that we're going to talk about today is transformational in how we approach God's word and our relationship with him. And so I want to start out with a, with a story. Um, you know, Sally and I have been married for almost 10 years, and it's really exciting uh, to go through life with people for an extended period of time because you see how much you've grown both individually and as a couple. And uh, my wife and I, like I said, have been together for about 10 years. And something that we struggled with uh, probably about five years ago or so was uh, we were just in a tough spot financially, uh, trying to figure out what to do for a career. And what's funny is the Holy Spirit tends to work through pastors, messages, podcasts, whatever, in that they tie, they kind of tie in with each other, right? They, they continue to uh, work together. And you kind of know that someone's speaking from the Holy Spirit when the same topic keeps coming up over and over and over again from different sources. And something that the Lord was showing us back then was this continual reminder of the Israelites going to the promised land. And so we kept hearing sermon after sermon after sermon and message after message, small group after small group, and and this theme just kept coming up, like, going to the promised land. We're going to the promised land. And so Sally and I, it became almost a penchant in our relationship that we were working towards our promised land. We wanted to be obedient. We didn't want to wander in the desert. We wanted to make sure that we got to the place that God wanted us to be. And so we kept we kept driving at this, our promised land, our promised land. And so I'm going to talk today about how Sally and I missed the promised land back then. And, and this whole concept is absolutely crazy. So let's get into it. So what promise was given to the Israelites, right, which was for them to go from slavery in Egypt into the promised land, right, the land of Canaan that was flowing with milk and honey, right, and had grapes that were crazy big. And they had this promise that they were driving towards that they were going to in the promised land. And believers now, right, post Jesus dying on the cross, we have a eternal promise, which is death into heaven, right? So when we die, we go to heaven, right? So kind of similar. And what's crazy is I'm sure the Israelites viewed the promised land very similarly to how we view heaven, which is, hey, we got to like tough out that we got to tough it out. We got to go through the hardships. We got to make it through trials to get to our promised land, right? And the problem with that is that the focus is wrong. And that's what we're talking about today. It's going to be insane. So stick with me. I love this topic and uh, we're going to get into it. And so the Israelites have a history of missing the point, right? They, they miss the point that God's trying to make. And, and honestly, God, I believe that he gave us his word so that we could learn from previous generations and that we wouldn't make the same mistakes. But granted, we're humans and uh, we tend to, 
Right. And so what's funny is, is, is for years, I used to be super judgmental when I was reading my Bible of like, God, these Israelites are so dumb. These Pharisees are so dumb. How could they not see what's right in front of them? Right. And then a couple of years back, I got super convicted that I'm like, I'm the Israelite. I'm a Pharisee. Right. I struggle with seeing the things right in front of me. And this was one of them. This was one of them. And so just like the Israelites were focused on the promised land and they were focused on getting there to make life easier and happier and free from hardship and whatever, right? They have this thing in their mind that once they get to the promised land, everything is going to be fine. They were focused on the destination of the promised land. And I don't know about you, but we could just fill promised land with heaven and Israelites with Christians and it'd be about the same right? We're all really excited for eternity. That's great. We're excited about heaven and the new heavens and the new earth and all kinds of fun stuff that we'll talk about, I'm sure, on this podcast at some point. Super exciting stuff. But just like the Israelites missed the point, I think we do too. Because something that most people don't know about Moses, this absolutely blew my mind the first time I read this. I was reading through Exodus 33 and I saw this verse I had never seen before, I'd read it many times, but didn't see it. I'm sure we all have similar experiences, is something about Moses that most people don't know. Moses had the opportunity, he had the chance to enter into the promised land. He did, and he chose not to. This thing that he was leading people towards for 40 plus years, he didn't get to. He didn't get to. He died on the edge of the promised land before Joshua took them in. But what a lot of people don't know is there was a time period that we read about in Exodus 33, right after the worship of the golden calf incident at the base of Mount Sinai. Yikes! Right? Terrible incident where he's leading his people and he gets super ticked and he throws the tablets on the ground and breaks them right after he just spent time up on Mount Sinai getting them from the Lord. So then he had to go get a second set, which is a... Different story of itself. But here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Moses has the opportunity. Let's just go there. Okay, so Exodus 33. In verse 5, we find out how God's feeling about the Israelites because of their worship of the golden calf. Okay, so in verse 5, it says, You are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Okay, God was ticked at this point, super ticked. And he's like, listen, if I have to spend another day doing what we're doing, okay, if I, you know what, Moses, you go into the promised land, you take the people, but I'm not going with you. Exodus 33, one through three. Okay, this whole verse, it boils down and says, hey, you know what, leave this place, but I'm not going with. You guys go, I'm not going. And then Moses said this in verse 15, and it absolutely blew my mind. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses understood something that we still don't really get to this day. Moses understood that the promised land had nothing to do with the land itself. Nothing. If they got the promised land, but didn't have God, they had nothing. 
So Moses understood that if they went into the promised land, like God had initially suggested, without him, they would have nothing. And so Moses' response was no. Moses said, if you don't go with us, I don't want it. Moses had the opportunity. Here's what's sad, guys, and I really, it's, it's sobering to think about and hard to even think about. But I wonder if how many believers were offered the, hey, I will give you a mansion, millions of dollars, the boat, the car, the whatever you have in your mind of all the things that you want in this world, but I will not go with you. How many people would take it? Man. How many people would take it? Scary thing to think about, right? So what we deem the promised land version of our life looks like here. How many people would take that? I don't know. I, uh, I would hope that it would be less, right? But I have a feeling that we would struggle with that if that was an actual thing. And so here Moses is, wandering around the desert, has the opportunity to go to the promised land, says no. Because he understood that our promised land is no physical location or destination. No land, house, amount of money, boat, job, anything tangible. None of that is actually the promised land. That thing that's off in the distance that you want, the new house or a, a baby or a family or a spouse, whatever. None of those things are your promised land. None of them. None of them. No destination or location is the promised land, which is honestly a relief because I don't know about you, but every time I get something that I finally get, yes, super pumped. As soon as I get something that I really want, give me a few days. Man, shoot, even maybe even a few hours. And all of a sudden, I got my eyes set on something else, the next thing that I want. It's just how we work, right? Destination, it's a relationship with Christ. Our promised land is relationship with him. His presence is our promised land. And the Israelites didn't get it. We don't get it. I don't get it. I struggle with it still. We get caught up in this loop of always wanting the next thing. The promised land is not a location, a destination, or material item, anything other than a relationship with Christ. Here's what's great about the Israelites is they generally get a, a couple chances at learning new things, right? We talked about this in the first week's episode that we'll just go get thrown right back in the fire over and over again until we learn what we need to. So what's crazy is the Israelites finally get into the promised land and they have another issue misinterpreting what God was attempting to communicate to them about the promised land. You see, God had promised all of Israel what he had called their inheritance dating back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, inheritance is mentioned 217 times throughout the Bible. I'd say that's probably an important theme to, to pay attention to. You see, this is the form of God's legacy through the Israelites. So what we see here is in Deuteronomy 4.21, Moses tells them, hey, this is the good land the Lord your God is giving you as your inheritance. So Moses understood it. He taught it to the Israelites that as Joshua took them across the river, they go into the promised land. This is their inheritance that God was giving them. Okay, now when they get there and they start splitting up the land in Numbers 36, 9, 
it talks about how no inheritance may pass from one tribe to another. If your tribe got this as your inheritance, that is the land that it keeps. So it says, no inheritance may pass from one tribe to another, but the tribe keep the land it inherits. So God promises the Israelites the promised land to them as their inheritance, but they still miss the point. They miss a point of what God truly means by the promised land. They're getting, they're, they're over two here. So God sets up his inheritance with the line of Aaron, also known as the Levites. So who were they? Well, the Levites were one of the 12 tribes from Levi, from the line of Aaron. And the Levites were the priests. They were the priests of all the, all of all the 12 that if you were born as a Levite, then you were destined to become a priest. And so here's what's crazy. God divvies up the promised land. He promises to give them the land that they have. They break it up in between tribes, but there's only, it's only broken up 11 different ways. It's only broken up 11 different ways. Why? Because the Levites' inheritance was different. So Numbers 18.20 says that the Levites will have no inheritance in their land because God is their share and their inheritance. Deuteronomy 10.9 says something similar. Levites have no share or inheritance because the Lord is their inheritance. Deuteronomy 18.2, the Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. So what does this have to do with us? So we're talking about the promised land, the destination, the location is not what it is all about. It's not what it, the main aim. The promised land is relationship with Christ. So then step two, we get into the promised land, they're divvying it up, they're divvying out the inheritances, and Levites, the priests, don't get a slot of land because their inheritance is relationship with God. So how does that deal with us? Well, in 1 Peter 2.9, it says that believers, so again, I just just make note here that I'm talking from the New Testament here, 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. Because of our faith in Christ, we are a part of the royal priesthood. Therefore, we, like the Levite priest, have the Lord as our inheritance. So if you're tracking along here, this is crazy. So our concept of the promised land no longer is the location or the destination, but relationship with Christ. Then we look at the inheritance, which is, again, outlined by how the Israelites received their inheritance. We realize that, nope, our inheritance, again, is no material thing. It is relationship with God. Our inheritance is to be one with him. 1 Peter 1, 3-4, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So what does this mean? What does this mean? We have access to the promised land and our inheritance from God now. So we now, we, we now know that the promised land is not a location or a destination, but a relationship with God himself, and that our inheritance is no material thing, but instead is our closeness and intimacy with the God of the universe. But there is one more mind-bending truth. You thought that was it. So I just, I just went into something that when I learned it a couple years ago, it absolutely shattered 
everything that I hold near and dear as the truth of how I view my life, my worldview got completely destroyed when I learned this. And the next piece is humbling. The next piece honestly makes me a little emotional to think about. Because the last piece to this is how the Lord views us. In Deuteronomy 9.26, Moses is pleading with God not to destroy his people. It says, Moses said to the Lord, Do not destroy your people, your own inheritance that you redeemed. Deuteronomy 32.8-10 says, For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted inheritance. Listen to this. God literally treasures his relationship with us more than anything else and even goes as far to call us his portion and his inheritance. You see, our relationship with God, it's reciprocal. He doesn't expect us to view him as his promised land without seeing us like that first. He doesn't expect that. He doesn't say, hey, you need to view me as your promised land and nothing else. He says, no, I want you to view me as your promised land and I'm going to view you as mine. It's reciprocal. Now listen here. The Israelites, they look forward to the promised land. Believers, Christians, we look forward to heaven. But you see, eternity with the Lord isn't designed to start when we die. It's supposed to start right now. Right now. We don't have to wait to receive our inheritance. We don't have to wait to get into the promised land. We're already there. It's a mindset. It's a worldview. You can have all of the benefits of your inheritance in your promised land today right now. And then think about how the Lord views us. How does the Lord view us? He views us as his promised land, his inheritance, which means that we have more value and worth than we can even come close to understanding. It's absolutely crazy. So if we have an eternal paradigm while we are here on earth, what does that do? How does that impact our daily lives going forward? I think the place that we have to start is where do we find our fulfillment? Where do we find our fulfillment, guys? I, I mean, we all struggle with it. We all struggle with some form of idolatry. Now, whether or not we call that idolatry or not is a different conversation. But we all have things that we place value on that we think are going to fulfill us and make us happy that aren't the Lord. I mean, let's be honest, whether it be a hobby, um, whether it be a job, whether that be material things, whether that be relationships with other people. I mean, there's so many things that it could be, right? And the beauty in having this conversation is that when you're looking at the concept of our promised land and our inheritance in Christ is that we realize that if we find our ultimate fulfillment in Christ and no physical thing, that that's that's what God's looking for. He looks at us and says, hey, I'm taking care of my end of the deal, right? Your sins are forgiven. 
I'm open to relationship with you as much as you want to pour in, I'm going to pour back into you. But I just want to be your ultimate source of fulfillment. And he never lets you down. Never lets you down. You see, so if our ultimate fulfillment is him, like I said, our promised land, our inheritance has been met. We're done. It's good. You see, I, I remember I'm, a, I'm an avid Seahawks fan, avid Seahawks fan. And I remember when we won our first Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos. Such a great memory. We actually, we actually had some friends uh, drive up from Portland that aren't even football fans. They drove up just to watch me watch the game because they were hoping that, you know, if they won that I would, you know, be this emotional mess, which I'm a fairly emotional person if you can't tell in the podcast already. Um, and so it was probably a good bet, right? So they come up from Portland. We watched the Super Bowl. And I remember the Super Bowl got over and it was super weird. I'm like, what a weird time for the Lord to speak something into my life. Because you would think in that moment I'd be elated and jumping up and down and so happy. But what's weird is the clock went zero, zero, zero. And what's super strange is as soon as the confetti came down, my mind immediately went to these 53 guys, these 53 players just realized that winning the Super Bowl, this thing that they had built for their entire life, peewee football all the way up through college, going to the combine, getting drafted, whatever, their whole journey, this thing that they have fought for their entire lives just came to fruition and they just realized that it didn't fulfill them. Right now, it might have lasted a day or two or a week or a month or a year, but you know how I know it doesn't? Is watching interviews after the game, they're celebrating, but you know what other comments are being made? Can't wait to get back to work to do what? To go win another one. If it was ultimately fulfilling to win a Super Bowl, they would have all retired right there. But it's not human nature to do that. Right? Nothing on this planet can fulfill us fully. Nothing. Nothing. Not a relationship, no material thing, nothing. Nothing. The only thing that can fulfill us is a relationship with Christ. Another tangible application. I think when we are focused on only the destination, we miss the people, right? If you're constantly thinking about the goal or the destination in mind, it's so easy to overlook the people that lie in between point A and point B. We miss the people. I'm so bad about this. I I made a post a couple of weeks ago about the fact that I am so bad at enjoying the journey because I'm so task-oriented. I love finishing tasks and, and the fulfillment that comes from that. But again, I know that that doesn't ultimately fulfill me because why? Then I always have the next task to complete, right? But what's crazy is, is if you're so task-oriented about getting everything done and, and getting the task done... It's so easy to miss the people. It's easy to bulldoze people. It's easy to miss them. It's easy to not pay attention to them, right? When I'm really focused, my wife and I call it being in work mode around our house when we start doing projects and stuff. And I feel, I feel bad, but this is just me being truthful is sometimes I'll get into work mode and my kid will, you know, one of my kids will come up to me and be like, dad, I, you know, I want a snack or I want a hug or do you want to hang out with me? And I'm like, I'm in the middle of a project. (laughs) And then I get convicted and I go back to him. I'm sorry. You know, all the things. Okay. But 
we can't just focus on the destination, just like the Israelites can't just focus on the promised land. We can't just focus on heaven. Now, that leads me to the last tangible application here. Heaven is not the promised land. Holy smokes. Guys, mind-blowing stuff here. Heaven is not the promised land. It's not. Reaching the destination can't be our only aim. If our only motivation in life is to get to the end, we're going to live a life of apathy that just doesn't produce much fruit. If all we're doing is counting down the minutes till we leave, right? We do this, you know, if you work a job that you don't really like and you're just counting down minutes till you leave, how long does it take? Sitting in a class you don't like, count down the minutes, it takes forever, right? And honestly, it just leads to apathy. If all we're thinking about is the end, if all we're thinking about is when we die and we go to heaven, that's when we're finally going to be fulfilled. We've completely missed the boat. We've completely missed it. Just because we have eternal promise doesn't mean we ignore the calling of today. Just because we have the eternal promise that we're going to go to heaven doesn't mean that we miss out. God isn't saying, hey, just sit around and sing Kumbaya until you go to heaven. He's got stuff for us to do. He's got people to save, right? Just like the Israelites were guilty of idolizing the promised land in their life and missed the point, sometimes we can idolize our idea of the promised land as life in heaven for eternity. Our inheritance, our promised land, it's relationship with the Lord. And that can start today. But how humbling is it to know that just as much as our promised land is relationship with the Lord, it is the Lord's promised land to be in relationship with us. Remember that no thing, job, money, promotion, or experience will fulfill you other than relationship with Christ. And that we are called to not focus on the destination, but on a relationship with Christ and with others one day at a time. So that's it, guys. I, I, that's it. I get so pumped talking about this topic because, like I said, it was life-changing for me. And so I want to thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If this resonated with you and you think of someone that can benefit from this, this life-giving truth about the promised land and our inheritance as believers, I pray that you would share it. I pray you share this podcast with them and we can all continue growing together by tuning into next week's podcast on Forged by the Word with Trevor Whitman. Mm-hmm.